So I've recently turned 50 and I've begun to notice even more how my relationship to my body and my yoga practice has changed. Hi folks, it's Shara Carruthers here from Live Like You Love Yourself. And you know, I've always really enjoyed the physicality of yoga. And since I started with it, I've always had this really strong or somewhat strong practice. But over time, I've started to change and kind of soften things up a little just to create more space for that listening and feeling. But I still do push past my limits on occasion. And I don't necessarily feel very clear on how I can approach my practice differently in order to have it support rather than break me as I continue to age. And I've noticed that there are a number of folks in my classes who are also unsure of how to change or approach their yoga practices, their minds and their bodies age. And so they continue to do the same things. And subsequently they find that they're getting injured or they're not feeling the deeper connection to self that yoga is there to support. So in this episode, Maria and I are going to talk about some of the many ways that our yoga practice can actually shift and can evolve to support us. It's a question I know that is out there because I've had the very question myself. And I think that it's really important that we find ways to have our yoga support us in feeling juicy and connected to our minds, our bodies, and our spirits as we change over time. And so that is what today is all about. Enjoy. Hi, folks. We are back. It is Shara Carruthers here. And it's Maria Kirsten here. And we are really excited today. We've got another, as we always are when we get together and talk, (laughs) but we've got a really juicy subject to be talking about today. And as I think we've dived into, Maria has a her focus within the yoga world is on how to change your practice or how to create a practice that supports bodies as they get older and being one of those older bodies i have lots of questions about how to have your yoga practice support you as you get older how to have it do what it's there to do for you as you as your body gets older as your mind gets older as all of the aspects of your life change in the way that they do and so we thought it'd be a really good time for a conversation and so I thought I'd take a second or two before I throw this over to Maria to kind of set the context because my question my original question to Maria was all right I'm I just turned 50 and I am somebody who's always had a strong somewhat strong yoga practice and a lot of my students are in a similar situation to me however we are starting to understand, or more, more importantly, starting to feel how this, these practices that we've always engaged in, in this kind of the same way, aren't really serving us as much. You know, there's pain, there's a little bit of fatigue, there's numbers of things. So I have questions as a result of that, of feeling this myself, about how we do this. It's good. Yeah? It's funny because you say you have an older body and I'm looking at this strong <laughs> young woman and most of my students would say you're a spring chicken. Right. <laughs> but about 50 is when you start thinking about aging and yeah. you can feel some changes. And it's kind of the where a great time to seize the opportunity to nip things in the bud. Yeah. And not just proceed unthinkingly the way that you always have. Yeah. Because there's this terror to change as if you suddenly are a geriatric because you're not doing the, the same, same practice thing. you did when you were 20. Yes. So. So 
how does that thinking start? Like how, you know, have you, have you had students in your class, and I'm not quite sure who you see perhaps doing things that... Well, interestingly, I kind of got saved from myself. So, for, so first of all, you say you have a strong yoga practice, meaning an asana practice, yeah, and asana. which is what most of us are thinking is an asana practice. Yeah. And I think my orientation has always been because I was very hypermobile. Yeah. And so even when I was young, I felt like I was getting injured by mm. fast, strong practice. Mm-hmm. And as I got stronger, I could do it if I could maintain a really regular practice. Yeah. But if I came in and out, that would be where I'd be likely to... to Right. work it out and if I pushed it too far yeah. the weakest joint would go and then there would be pain or fatigue so I kind of got saved from that maybe had to modify early which yeah. is what it made me think about and yes I see students who especially students who are new to my class who want a strong practice yeah. and I can see when I describe what we're going to do they say what's your class like what kind of yoga yeah and all the answer I can only come up with is it's not fast and it's not boring yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's going to be a little slower yeah so uh, I don't have too many people going off like that Mm -hmm. but and I think I attract an audience for that whereas other people are getting that stronger practice right so I that's why I call it yoga for Mm grown-ups and and it's I've kind of oriented myself to people who are ready to make that change Mm. do you know what it's kind of an invitation right okay well this is perfect then so for for folks like me who sense that a change might be needed, but aren't quite sure, like, where do we begin? What sort of things would you suggest or have you seen? Well, I guess sensing within first and saying that, what are the things that are no longer serving you? How do you even know? And fatigue is one. Mm -hmm. So exhausted and relaxed can look very similar. Interesting. (laughs) But exhausted is not relaxed. And it's really about prana coming down. Mm -hmm. So if you could do a really strong practice and it can energize you and you could leave full of prana. Yeah. And you don't have to take a four-hour nap and eat three lasagnas after class. You feel kind of light and energized. Other times you're pooped. You have to have a nap and you got to eat. And you're you've you've sapped yourself. That would be one indicator. So I think, and I, yeah, are you hungry and tired after your practice and needing to rest after it? Because I don't think so. That is so key. Mm. Oh my goodness. Like, because I, I know personally myself from my own experience, but also just from other people, we feel that if after practice we, you know, we feel energized, then this is the right thing. Yeah. And so it's so, it's really good and useful. and energized and not starving and exhausted. Right. And, you know, there's a light, there's a kind of a sattvic feeling. Yeah, that, can, so that, that maintains yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. Right, and you, okay. And it's, it's, it's given you something. It hasn't taken everything away. Right, okay. And then the other thing is, is pain. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you keep hurting yourself in your practice. And interestingly, when you take some time off, do things get better? Mm. And a lot of people are shocked. And it's like, well, maybe you're overdoing. So a lot of the injuries of any injuries, I was going to say of older, but it's not are repetitive strain injuries. Right. So you, you hurt yourself by doing nothing and getting really weak, yeah. but mostly by doing the same movements over and over again and overusing joints that are weak yeah. and underusing things that are stiff. Right. And so how are we gonna stand back from ourselves and say, wait a second, what am I doing here that's not working? Yeah. And that means slowing down a little bit. Right. It doesn't mean it has to be boring, Yeah. but you have to take the time to start to take inventory yeah. a little bit. I think that idea of it becoming boring and also perhaps even the fear of 
change is one of the things that can keep people where they are, even if it, they, even if maybe there's a bit of an inkling that this isn't quite the right thing for me. Yes, that that acceptance of props, yeah. of a different approach to practice, a slower maybe beginning and yeah. easing into practice, going to a different kind of class at a different pace means you're getting old. And mm. so you've accepted it and you've kind of given up. Yeah. It's like wearing sweatpants all day. Right. You know, that's it. What's wrong it. with that? No, that's it. no from kidding. Seinfeld. It means yeah. you've given up. But it's, yeah, nothing wrong with it. So yeah. I look at both of us. But it's... That's a really, uh, in our culture, that's really set up. And you'll, yeah. I'll find even older people, really older people, like 70, 80, and they will not use a chair. A chair is a symbol that that's it, you know, yeah. order your coffin next because that's right. what's coming. Huh. And it's, that's a real shame because yeah. why not do something better with a prop, yeah. better as in healthier, you're actually targeting the very thing you want to target mm -hmm. rather than overloading and going into either a mental survival pattern or a physical compensation pattern mm. where you use the strongest muscles all the time again yeah. and you overuse the weakest joints again. Right. So when you're young, you get a few get-out-of-jail-free cards, quite a few. Yeah. And so things kind of hurt and you're like, eh, I'll just trade that in for later. Right. You know? And then you hit your 50th birthday and someone turns up with those cards yeah. and they're like, okay. So remember that and remember that. And you, they start calling the debts. Right. And so the pushing it that you did earlier when you were young, you have a lot of buffer. You have a lot of overlap of strength sure. and forgiveness in the systems. Yeah. And you, that, that forgiveness and those buffers start to go. Hmm. So if you've overused in the wrong way, then it creates things like arthritis and um, instabilities and things like that. Right. So, yeah, we don't want to just, we don't want to orient it as giving up. And I think as right. teachers, if we're talking to teachers, we create the environment in the classroom where we don't segregate, okay, everyone who's going to do the full version right. is going to go over there, and those of you who are needing props are going to go over here. Right. And then we give all our attention to the full version people. Frankly, if you can do the full version, you're going to drop back, handstand, drop back or something, yeah. you're on your own, honey. Yeah. You don't need me. Yeah. Maybe you need me to help, but basically it's the people who don't. Yeah. Let's orient, how can I give them that experience over here on this side of the room yeah. and get the fullness of that experience without all those risks? Yeah, that's, I think, a really important point because I was thinking a little bit about how if yoga in itself, and by that I mean the environments like you're talking about, mm. could change or could shift a little. Maybe this is a big ask, but I think we have to come from both sides, if you know what I mean. Sure. Like, we have to be willing to embrace that change needs to happen or that we need to be looking in a different way or you know that we're getting a little things are shifting and we need to shift with but then also i'd love to see environments kind of in yoga environments as as teachers we have we've got the power uh, the power to, mm -hmm. to help with this but to have them change a little bit because i think people often see yoga as a young person's game game right. in quotes oh you can get bendy you can be you know you can do all that craziness or like a really old person's game. Like, this is the only thing you can do that can keep That's you standing. Right. So let's just sit in bed and do a few, you know, toes bending and whatever, just to keep you alive. And yet there's this whole range in the middle and the grown-ups game. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's that's really the mar that's not the market, it yeah. sounds it, but the, the demographic that I wanted to change. Cause yeah. I, so uh, the traditional yogic understanding of it calls them the ashramas, the stages yes. of life. And you've got yes. the student stage of life where it's all about you. Yeah. It's all about developing. 
and it's all about sort of setting goals, reaching those goals, a little bit of pushing because you've got those, you can push and recover quite well. Yeah. And you're developing everything from your ability to pay attention, your strength, your flexibility, all of that. Um, Your moral fiber, your kind of your character. And asana tends to be what young people do because Mm -hmm. it's a really embodied approach. Mm -hmm. So we use that and it's kind of simple and accessible. And then you become a householder. And it doesn't mean you just got a mortgage or had kids. (laughs) But suddenly, and that can happen quite young, teenagers sometimes have to look after their parents or they've got a mission. And I've got a 50-year-old brother who's not a householder yet. Right. But it's when... It's not about you anymore, that you are suddenly using yourself as a tool or a means to accomplish great things. Are you raising children? Are you being the best yoga teacher you can be? Are you writing books, planting trees, saving Mm -hmm. the environment, whatever? Suddenly your emphasis is on stability. So pranayama comes up Mm -hmm. because it's life force that you need and that energy Mm. and that attention and that capacity. Mm -hmm. And it's so exhausting. Midlife, like traditionally it would have been the Indian society in the middle, they're carrying the kids and the older people. They're tired. So they need to not just flog themselves in class right. they actually need to restore a bit yeah they also need to keep their joints mobile and their bodies strong sure. and all of those things so pranayama asana serves pranayama right so the so maybe we're even moving at, but the emphasis is more on the breath while we move right okay and then the kind of renunciate stage mm-hmm. sometimes there's four sometimes there's three but yeah. let's just say there's a certain stage where you move away from that exhausting stage yeah. of life and you begin then to go oh okay i'm in an older body and I'm preparing to move away from the material world a little right. bit and prepare. I mean, my dad just died. So prepare yeah. maybe for death and for more spiritual things. So then it's a kind of equanimity in the mind, mm-hmm. not being afraid of getting old, of getting sick, of losing friends, yeah. uh, of being weaker. You know, you've lo- you have to sort of step aside a little bit. And mm-hmm. can you step aside with grace? Right. Yeah. Do you have to bull through everything? So meditation then becomes the emphasis. Yeah. Pranayama and asana support meditation. Right. For that equanimity of mind. It doesn't mean that you can't do very strong practice. Mm. And I know 70 <laughs> and 80 year olds who are really, really strong. Yeah. And there's evidence that you should lift weights and you should do really good strengthening stuff. So yeah. it's not about getting soft. Right. But it's also not about diving into something without that breath and that attention. Right. Oh, you know what this is making, this is pointing me to, and this is, you've laid this out so beautifully. It's, it feels to me like it's about understanding how each of the different aspects of this practice serve you best where you are. Yeah. And ensuring that you're not just flogging one aspect of it, but that you're understanding that there are other aspects of it that are going to give you what you need. And so asking yourself, how can I incorporate these things or how can I highlight these things or how can I, you know, because I don't see pranayama. No, not not enough. I agree. And one thing that is happening that's interesting is that the yang vinyasa flow sort of stuff is now being offset with the yin. uh, yin. Yin, So at least people are sort of going, okay, I have to slow down and be still. Mm. And I mean, I guess that is a meditation and and there's some breathing involved in that. It's a way of slowing. I'm worried that that's like strength here and flexibility here rather than, you know, I tend to prefer restorative, but I also 
also was hypermobile, so leaning into just a passive stretch is going to make me stretch where I'm weak, yeah. not where I'm tight. Right. So I prefer restorative and also to just really rejuvenate. Yeah. But that's that's a different preference thing. But I can see that happening in the world. Like, yeah. there's that happening. I do too. But you're right. I think as teachers, we often just offer asana. Yeah. And then there's a quick shavasana at the end, and yeah. we're done. And I think incorporating breath work into asana, yeah. so really breath-centered practice, and mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you just do stuff on the inhale and the exhale. Right. That you really feel the lift of prana on that inhale yeah. and the kind of moving down. It's a different kind of practice. Yeah. And then maybe sitting and breathing, and maybe then creating you know some meditation or some yoga nidra or some some meditative practices Mm. and that again can be in asana but you can't flog yourself through thousands of salutes but and it's what i'm seeing like this i'm seeing the same thing that you're Mm. saying with people moving in the direction of yin yeah to a degree but sometimes it feels like it's just a reaction i think that could be something anxiety or it's it feels like the approach is more about addressing something that's some symptoms mm. you know what i mean like some burnout or some something i think so else. but for a very yin person yeah. who is very strong and quite stiff yeah then a, a yin practice a yang practice sorry y- yeah. yang person it, a yin practice is going to be very appropriate yeah so you take very athletic types very strong stiff types yeah. then hanging out in a stretch and slowing down it suits them yeah but for older bodies and for hypermobile bodies mm they will just stretch into their weakest point. So and so not. so if it's taught intelligently, as with everything, yeah. and you support where you need to, so it's taught with props, yeah. then of course we're modifying and adapting for your own needs, great. Yeah. But if you're just going to try to do the five minutes in frog pose with no block underneath your hips like someone else, yeah. if you have an asymmetry or you have a weakness, then you're just gonna go into your weakest joint and injure. Yeah. So, you know, as with everything intelligently taught, I think is there. But at least there is this aspect of slowing down and maybe coming back around. But it's different to thinking of things accessibly, which is really modifying to yourself. And that can be everything from your mood today, from the weather, to your dosha, to your sore knee, Mm -hmm. to uh, what's happening in your life right now. And I think if we taught a more wide-ranging, big Y yoga rather than asana yoga class, offering more of those tools on a regular basis, we would develop the resource toolbox of our students so that they could pick and choose and tailor their practice better. Yeah, this is driving straight into what I was thinking because, okay, Mm -hmm. so... So we've talked a little bit about what brings about the need for these things, you know, this beautiful shifting. And I love the whole, the ashramas Mm -hmm. model. I think it's fabulous. And I think it's important for people to be aware of it and to be willing to kind of be curious about where they are. The question I've got now is once you start to wear that I'm going to have to make some changes to this, how do you how do you actually begin to change things like is there a process and perhaps it's different for different people but even just things for people to kind of start to think about i think one process is you need to slow down and work out who or where you are in the first place yeah so i think a lot of us are running so fast that we actually are dragging our corpses behind us and sort of flogging it along and then we beat it through a class and then we're wondering why it won't behave yeah and i think coming into contact with who you are. So whether that's a centering at the beginning of a class, yeah. I find with a lot of people in the modern world, you if you lie them down and leave them still and center them before they've moved, yeah. they just get fidgety and annoyed. 
and you lose people. Yeah. Whereas I start every class with about 20 minutes of limbering. We lie on our back. Sometimes we sit in a chair, but we'll move through each of the major joints. Yeah. And it's doing two really important things. One is it's moving the major joints so it's warming them up. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, warming things up is really important. Mm. It's just one of the things yeah, you that. cannot just, like it's also if you take some time off. Remember when you were younger, you'd the end of the summer, you'd start with your sports team again and you'd just go for it. Yeah. You'd be sore for a week and then you're done. Yeah. Well, you can't do that when you're 50 anymore yeah. because you could injure. So you need to build up slowly, adding progressively. And of course you'll get better, but it, that's the way you'll avoid injuring yourself. So we need to take this time to move through major joints limber, work up synovial fluid, stretch or move some of the muscles, but also feed that information to our brain. Yeah. And I have this, this, there's a motor cortex part of your brain, which yeah. is the motor planning area. So if I say to you, you're going to climb a ladder, the, the premotor cortex has already gone, we've got a plan. Yeah. We've got one on file <laughs> and they pass it out. Yeah. And then your motor cortex says, okay, where's the ladder? Now there's your ladder. Is it wobbly is it wooden is it metal is it greasy is it hot is it cold is it on a stable surface then you're feeding information into your brain and then the motor cortex says okay with current information we'll now generate a new plan off the template we got Mm -hmm. the problem is is i think if we don't warm up we just go with the template right and we're not adapting the template to what's happening today yeah and so that warm-up phase is a Let's take inventory. Yeah. Hips, how are you going? Yeah. You know, how's that sacrum? How's that lower back? What's the spine up to? Shoulders, you know. Yeah. How am I just in general with my breathing? Is it tight? Is it? And then with that information, which you frankly don't even have to think too much for. It's kind of subcortical. Mm-hmm. But you're just feeding that up. And then they're like, great. Thank you so much for the update on how our equipment is working. Mm-hmm. We now can generate current and up-to-date the plans for you. Right. And then you get into the template kind of practice and you'll adjust accordingly almost without thinking because you took that time and then mental health wise if you're stressed and running you're not actually feeling learning or thinking and I think that's the block to a lot of people's home practice Mm. is they're like I don't know what to do right so they can't connect so they need maybe a warm-up routine is the thing that Mm -hmm. connects you also and just calms you down and then you're like Oh, now I can feel, I realize I need to do legs up the wall. Yeah. I am exhausted. Yeah. Or now I can feel, I realize I need to burn it, you know, push it out, and yeah. I'm going to do 108 salutes to the sun, yeah. followed by a handstand drop back practice. Great. At least you knew what your current state of affairs was. Yeah. And then you might decide halfway through. But often in that beginning stage, you get in touch with what you need. And yes. I think that's what we need to build in. Yeah. And then you might be doing your vinyasa practice but at least you know that that was what you really wanted to do. Yeah. And you know where your body is. So proprioceptively, we have maps, and this works with how we um, also deal with pain, the pain of kind of aging and stuff. But pain distorts the map your brain has of your body, mm-hmm. and also lack of use distorts it. Right. So you don't have an accurate sense of where you are in space and yeah. in relation to your brain. When you move legs, like we might take a leg, and I don't know, uh, make some hip circles and circle our ankles and lie that leg back down on the floor. And then you're like, oh, wow, my right leg, say we did that, is so much more alive, full of prana, and much more online than my left, which mm-hmm. frankly feels dark, heavy. And people can it's feel that difference in five minutes. And it's like, wow, okay. So let's move prana through the body. Is mm-hmm. another, you could do a prana moving practice. Mm-hmm. 
So that's my first recommendation. Wow. Okay. So what I'm hearing is, and I see this and I've experienced this, is that there's this often this kind of lack of really feeling, like Mm -hmm. really feeling where we are in our bodies. And that is an understanding from which we can even just begin to create a practice that serves us. But we have to start there by feeling where we are today or where we are in this moment. And I really like having, I have a couple of routines I do. Uh So I've got, you know, I call it my little yoga for grownups routine. It's it's not trademarked. It's free on my website (laughs) if you want it. But it's so it's, but it's just a little run through of the major joints. My teachers taught me a prana practice. So it's a run through of moving the, the five pranas. Yeah. The nice thing about it is I don't have to think. I know that thing by heart. I've done it so many times, which means I can drop into it. And because it's repetitive, I can notice the difference between how I was yesterday and how I am today. Right, I see. And I can notice the difference between the right side and the left side. Right, okay. So if everything is different every single day, you are scrambling to just figure out what you're doing. Right. So the feeling part isn't happening so much. Right. Whereas giving yourself a little movement routine of 5 to 15 minutes, uh, and that could be whatever yeah. whatever it is that little routine gives you a chance to feel and then you can go okay with the current information and often we don't even explicitly think what next yeah but you go ooh and then you move out of that routine and into whatever you're doing something else but i don't think you can do a kind of intuition led practice mm-hmm. without having that drop in and check in so i've heard of some people who do headstand to start as their feeling practice as their feeling practice. Now, that's yeah. obviously quite advanced practitioner, yeah. um, like an, you know, an Iyengar person who does that regularly and has built up all the tools that they need. Yeah. They know in headstand whether they're exhausted right. or see. whether they need to build up. You know, so I can I can see that actually. That's it. Yeah, Whatever it is, that. you get a and it could be a pranayama practice. Right. How is your breath today? But I would I recommend that, and I recommend it with teaching without yeah. being boring. Start people through a little routine, a little movement routine. Because that will also be the seeds of their home practice. But they can also sense how they are today and begin to make choices on the basis of that. You know what? I'm exhausted. I'm going to take the easy option for everything today. Give me the props. And when she says I can relax, I'm done. Or as, no, I'm actually full of, you know, vinegar. I'm ready to go. (laughs) So, so, okay. So, okay. So that, that was one. That's one. What else you got? Well, another thing, if we're doing that, so I think that as teachers we should fill people with a little resource toolbox Mm -hmm. for a home practice but also because it is so that learning thing idea that it is difficult to learn Mm -hmm. anything when you're stressed in pain afraid you know having a having a a stress response you need to learn stuff you need for later now, right. if you know what I mean. Yeah. So I, I, my way, I, I do it in the mental health course, and I talk about it on good days when you got lots of time and energy. Mm. Cook stuff up and then put the soups and lasagnas in the freezer mm. for hectic days when you're like, and here's something I prepared earlier. Mm. So you need to develop this movement practice, maybe a breathing practice. Mm-hmm. Now, this could be as simple as watching your breath or a humming breath, or a really simple pranayama practice, nothing complicated, that drops you into an awareness of breath. That's something that you need up your sleeve as a yogi. Ujjayi breath is a really simple way to drop into that awareness. But it's really hard to learn when you're stressed. If you're hyperventilating, you're not going to want to do ujjayi breath. And the other one is some kind of meditation, relaxation. You could separate them. You could have a relaxation practice. Mm -hmm. So is it legs up the wall, child on a bolster, 
How do you, when you are just frazzled, take some time to just yeah. drop? I think that's something worth learning. And yeah. it's worth trying a bunch of postures and then going, I like this one. Mm-hmm. So why think? I can't think. I'm just going to do that. And then the other one is some kind of meditative. So do you do yoga nidra? Do you do a shavasana? Do you do a body scan? Yeah. Kind of a mindfulness. Or do you sit and meditate? But it has that mindfulness aspect to it. Yeah. So then you've covered body, breath, mind, and the kind of prana aspect of can I build or prana and build that in. And I think those four things, movement routine, breath awareness, mindfulness, and like restore, replug. So I hear this, I hear these tools, and I hear a sense for how we use them, yeah. but sort of in the context of this process of aging and having to make decisions about, do I do this practice? Like, I'm in this class, yeah. and this is the class I've always done, you know, God help you, it's a Bikram or something, sure. or Ashtanga or something that, you <laughs> Hang know. Hang on, let's not be biased. <laughs> yeah. Because those cl- those practices are what get people through the door. True, 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 they, true, you're right. It's not about are, the practice. No, it's about, that one's is. about the man, not the but practice. But it yes. is often the entry level. Yeah. You enter because yep. it. You made a choice. Should I go to aerobics, right. Pilates, or you know Vinyasa flow or yeah. Bikram? And then you do it, and you're like, wow, this yoga thing is pretty cool. Yeah. Very few people stay with Bikram till they're sort of 73. Yeah. So at what point does the heat, or the also the lack of rules, because yeah. there's a very set sequence. Yeah. So what if you can't? do something exactly well then there's a crisis and you know what I found interesting was in that in Jay Brown's podcast where he was talking to a lot of teachers especially early on in the podcast a lot of teachers who said they got injured yeah their practice changed yeah but they kept teaching the vinyasa flow yeah they never changed the way that they were teaching they kept they changed their own practice to nurture themselves yeah but because market forces said we need to flog them and bring them in and put them through the fast stuff now that I think is where we need to change is our teachers need to say yeah. let's give let's have some variety a little bit and I don't and I think you know the market forces are hard and yeah. if you're a studio hanging by a thread I guess you have to offer those things yeah. but but at the end in the end of practice start introducing some different way or in the beginning start limbering up and move them slowly yeah. so that people begin to get a taste of something different that I'm so glad you brought this up as well this is mm. perfect because what I know is that many people, in fact, most of the people that I teach or yeah. people that I know that are going to yoga, they're going to those vinyasa classes. Mm-hmm. And those teachers aren't doing it. They're not offering them options or they're not, they're not turning them in on themselves in terms of teaching them or supporting them through this process of nurturing themselves from you know whatever age to whatever age. So how do we, as and you may or may not have an answer for this, but I would love to talk about this. How do we as students in that world say, right, I'm going to take my practice back. I, I actually, can I talk to teachers first? Yeah. Because I think yeah. there has to be the Please. offerings out there to do things. So yeah. really the thing that really helps you age is having your own practice. You know, ultimately the people who age well, you yeah. see them, they're 98 and they're still going well. Yeah. And you go, what is it? And they said, I did a little bit for five, 10 minutes every morning. Right. So, so is that what your own practice looks like? Or is there a way of having your own practice? I think your own practice looks yeah. like a little bit, a lot. Yeah. Not okay. a lot, a little. Mm-hmm. So it's not the two hour practice once a week. Right. Because that's where you can get injured. This is a very key point. Yes. I'm just stopping her yeah. because I really want people to listen to this. <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry, go. <laughs> Practicing regularly. So yeah. maybe you go to your class once or twice a week. Yeah. But what do you do with yourself each day just to check in? Yeah. And... 
to develop your confidence in yourself to feel. Yes. Because when there's no one in the room, there's no competition, there's no instructions, yeah. you do drop in. Now, if you don't know what to do, then you can't drop in. Right. So how, as teachers, do we empower a home practice? And if you're always making things hard, you are not going to empower that. Right. So these movement routines, or now choose your favorite resting pose and just see what people do. Mm. And if you don't have a favorite resting pose, can I offer you this buffet of options? Mm -hmm. Try this one, try that one. And then you're like, oh, I love this one. Yeah. And so you're, you're, we offer the buffet or the, you know, the degustation. Yeah. And they get to choose. We have to offer that, that breadth. Yeah. And then, and offer some space for choice. Yeah. So we're sort of doing ourselves out of a job, but we're not because... I mean, I've been practicing 30 years and I teach 20 years and I love going to my teacher. Yeah. I love falling into her voice and taking what she offers yeah. and learning still yeah. because that's such a different kind of experience. But I, it's so much more enhanced by the fact that I can practice on my own. Yeah. And you, you also, maybe that practice also is therapeutic. So I know that I have slightly unstable hips and sacrum. Yeah. So I work on keeping my glutes strong in my home practice. Sometimes it's to rest, but other times it's to do some butt work. Mm -hmm. And and it's, you know, like a naked strengthening of that, not naked, but you know what I mean, it's a bare, <laughs> that's all I'm doing. And it's yeah. not very yogic. It looks a lot like Pilates or a lot like, you know, Jane Fonda, but yeah. I know I need that element to be safe as I flow through other things. Yeah. So I think teachers need to leave some space and need to say, to refer to home practice, maybe just doing one pose a day, mm. it, there's a practice, or maybe this little routine. So then as students, what you could, what I could say from the opposite, if there are students listening to this is, what could you take home from your class? Yeah. What do you really like? And I go for the pleasure principle because everyone thinks everything has to be hard yeah. and yoga has to be sort of grim and sinister. Yeah. What is the stuff that gives you joy? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, that is so delicious. Yeah. Start there. Because then you're going to do it. Because yeah. otherwise it's like, okay, I'm going to have castor oil every day. Well, yeah. you know, what about, why not make a smoothie that's nice and sweet? Yeah. So choose something that you, you think, oh, this is so delicious. And then start there and begin to go, ooh, she recommended that twist for me too. I'll do that as well. Or I'll do that hip stretch I don't like and I'll maybe do it less and spend more time in it and just see how that feels. Yeah. And feel around it a little bit. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to have, have to have a deeper conversation about this subject in about general. About home practice. Yeah, yeah I agree. And just in really just about, you know, to me, it's about, it's about us owning our practice mm -hmm. and what that looks like. And, you know, because I think we do a lot of movement on the mat from our, from our heads and not necessarily from our ability to kind of sense things and feel things mm -hmm. and understand what that means for us are we am i really hurting myself am i you know am if i'm craving these super intense and painful things is is there a good aspect to that or is there a bad like these are things i really want to dive into because i do think yeah. not today necessarily no but i do the, think it's, these are the things sensing yourself is so important with. i think yeah. people and especially as people get older and there are a few little failures like you're yeah. uh, you feel it they often people are like oh my knees are giving up or my body's giving up and they say i'm hopeless or i've got no core strength right. the negativity is incredible yeah. what people say and they but i even see young people completely divest themselves of all of their power and they go into yoga yes and they're just wanting to do 
what the teacher says yeah. and do it 110% because she said a little, so why not do a right. lot? That's who we are. And I think mm-hmm. as teachers, yeah. it's our responsibility to give people back responsibility yeah. and maybe say, uh, what if we do this a little less? So yeah. stepping in and adding load slowly, but also what does it look like if you do half this? Or yeah. Giving people opportunities to drop in and feel things. So it's not external alignment. It's like, well, what feels stronger, right. this or this? Mm-hmm. Um, simple choices and opportunities to feel into things are empowering. Yeah. And especially if you educate people. And that's another thing I notice about older people yeah. is that they don't want to just obey you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they're like, actually, I really don't want to risk that. But also, I want to choose. <laughs> so they're more powerful yep. often in their practice. And they... They want the education about it. Yeah. So let's teach them a little bit of the anatomy. This is what I'm choosing. These are the options. Why? Yeah. We don't have to go on forever. And then they've got some mental education, and then they can feel into it and make it an educated decision. Yeah. And then honor that decision. Oh, okay. So there's two things on yeah. that, are, that I'm thinking about is, firstly, as you were saying sort of at the outset, our our body really is far more forgiving when we're younger mm-hmm. and so you, like you were saying we have that more of that buffer and so it's our responsibility to ourselves as we get older which it sounds like we kind of naturally just based on what your experience mm-hmm. is our responsibility to ourselves as we get older is to be aware that we can say no yeah be aware that we have to choose ourselves we have to choose our bodies so that we can continue to use them in the way that we're meant to, really. That's so much easier said than done, though. Because, it is. Because people, first of all, know nothing about their structure. Yeah. They know more about their car yeah. and so other things than they do about their what's normal movement in yeah. each joint. So we either think it's excessive movement, foot yeah. behind the head kind of stuff, and they also think it's either just a, like a no pain, no gain. Yeah. So there's this sensation seeking. Yes. I, I, I always come back to um, a workshop with Donna Fari when someone said, what does it feel like when you're doing right, it right? What does yoga feel like when yeah. you're doing it? Because people were pushing to the edge of this sensation. Just, and she said, kind of nothing. Yeah. And I was so shocked. And I've refined that more in my own mind when I'm teaching students is, they talk about stira sukha. Yes. You know, stira is that sense of strength and yeah. stability, and sukha is that sweetness and that ease. ease yeah. So kind of strong and easy. Yes. Not hard. That's right. Not hard. So are you? Can do you feel really strong, but also are you breathing and feeling easy? Yeah. Now, if it's too easy, you start planning your menu and your right. Christmas list and whatever, and you're off with the fairies. And you've seen that yeah. too. Constantly. Absolutely. People that. are bored and off with the fairies. Yeah. But too hard, and people go into both psychological and physical survival patterns. So they either survive and they go into kind of stress mode or they go into compensations. So if you have always used your back muscles to do stuff, as soon as I overload you, you're just gonna use those strong muscles. Cause why are you going to, you're just gonna survive it. Yeah. So the strong guys step forward and the weak guys go and smoke pot behind right. the shed like they always have. <laughs> yes. And there's no kind of negotiation. Yeah. Whereas when we go, no, hang on a second, I'm gonna really peel the load back yeah. and I'm gonna see if I can recruit the muscles that I need. Yeah. Oh, I could do it. Now, can I slowly increase load without whoop, defaulting? Yeah. So what we start to see also is repetition. Yeah. Because when you repeat something, first of all, you can move in and out with breath. Yeah. So we get that pranayama aspect. But then you can also go, okay, I'm going to do one. And now ooh, I'm going to do another. Now I might, I don't know, lift one foot off the floor or right. something like that. You start to increase difficulty and load. Yeah. But you have to start to slowly incrementally add load, not just dive into <laughs> right. the hardest version. 
right. kill yourself and then never come back to and that until weeks later. And that's actually being taught well yeah. because good teachers do that naturally. Yep. To teach a multi-level class with beginners and older people and the whole thing, you need to start with the basic, easiest, least loaded version mm-hmm. with the best recruitment of muscles. Right. And then you need to slowly add load, saying to people, if you're overloaded, stop breathing, have a rest. Yeah. If you are craving more, well, okay, here, I can make it harder. Right. We, can th- we can always throw more balls into the juggling. But, was, you know, they're going to drop all the balls otherwise. Yeah. So how many, how few balls do you need to start with and yeah. then slowly start adding? Oh, man, again, you're like the queen of perfect segues. Like, it's like you're reading my mind. Because okay, the thing I was good. thinking next was, right, I think we, we have lost, in the same way that we've lost connection with our bodies and, like, what we need, we really don't have a sense for where, as you get older, we are traditionally falling apart. What aspects of our physical experience do we need to concentrate or focus ourselves okay. on a little bit more i'm kind of it's a messy way of answering of asking no, this question not. but you know what you're saying is what goes wrong exactly thank yeah. you you got yeah. it so you could go all the way to the end yeah how do people die how do people die of chronic diseases yeah so heart conditions diabetes yeah. all those sort of stuff yeah they also um they sometimes die of those things because they're immobile. Yeah. And they're sometimes immobile because they can't move because their hips hurt or their knees hurt or things like that. Yeah. So, um, and the other thing is they fall over. I was going to say fall. So if you yeah. get weak, you're in pain, you don't move enough, you, you get weaker. And yeah. you definitely, after sort of menopause or as people get older, as, I don't know, say 50, we choose it, but it's not always. If you don't regularly exercise and lift weights, you your bones and your muscles will get weaker. Right, okay. If you do regularly lift weights, and or do weight bearing and and strengthening you can have the thigh muscle content of a 30 year old right so you do not have to decline like that Mm -hmm. but if you keep flogging yourself you'll get an injury which means you then rest because you're in pain and then you get weak and then you lose the strength and then you are overloading your joints all over again so this stop start stuff is really bad or this no pain no gain i only know how to go hard stuff so people fall down and they have kind of they need to manage chronic stuff. So as you get older, everyone's going to have some, I don't know, blood pressure stuff or um, something. Yeah. And older people who are doing well have a lot of stuff wrong with them, mm-hmm. but they manage it. And they know when to rest and they know when to push, that yeah. kind of thing. So two of the things I think we really, we need to know how to self-manage. Yeah. How to do as much as we can, but not too much. Mm-hmm. And as little as possible, but not too little. Right. And if you can get that sweet spot, that's the stereosoka spot, then you are energized and rested, mm-hmm. but you're also strong, and you build that bone density and muscle density. It's when you go too far in either direction yeah. that you do it. So we lose bone density as we get older. We lose strength as we get older. Yeah. And if we're not regularly moving, we can lose our proprioceptive sense and the way that we recruit muscles. Yeah. We get into weird patterns. So those are some of the things that we can address. And... and um, if we can stop people from falling down when they're old, yeah. we would save so many people from nasty deaths wow. and save the government so much money wow. and so much suffering. Yeah. Because you don't fall, you usually don't die when you fall down. You die because you fall down and then you're recovering from the fracture and then you get pneumonia and then you die. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so knowing that, what do we need? So people need to strengthen. Yep. And this is where I said hypermobility and aging look a lot the, lot similar. Yeah. One is the is kind of a lack of knowledge of where we are, so they need to build proprioception, but build strength. 
and stability through the joints, yeah. not just go to the end range of everything. But then we need to do that resting and range of motion rather than flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I think I like um, the, the thing in the literature now that's coming up is mobility. So instead of thinking of being flexible, what does that mean? What I'm informed by, what I learned in my occupational therapy, and what Judith Lasseter in her anatomy taught me first when yeah. I, is normal movement. So don't worry about your anatomy and learning all your muscles and all the attachments. and There's way too much of it. Know what each joint does in normal range of movement. Mm. What do your ankles do? What do your knees do? Mm-hmm. What do your hips do? And don't you don't need to do more than that. If you've got flexion, extension, abduction, adduction, internal and external rotation in your hips, mm-hmm. you're good to go. And if you are limited in one of those, well, you work on that. Yeah. But are you strong through that range of motion? Because you, a lot of people can just hang with gravity in a stretch. Yeah. But if I ask them to lift anything or weight bear or hold anything, they would break. Yeah. So strength through range of motion is mobility. And that means that when you lean over, you're not going to collapse. It means you can, you know balance and stuff like that so balance is huge also because balance is about not falling over but balance is made of strength and proprioception and yeah yeah. are these all things that you think we can achieve through a yoga practice you bet okay i mean yoga just does it yeah the other thing is yoga does relaxation and it does cognition right so cognition is you know how's my brain working and brains can get floppy but yoga gives you lots of detailed instructions mm-hmm. you have to look at what somebody's doing you've got to interpret it and do it in your own body yeah. so there's like a comprehension uh, you got to translate it into movement then you got to drop in and feel yeah then you got to recheck with instructions so there's a lot cognitively going on there yeah. and proprioceptively going on there in, in a simple thing like talking somebody through trikonasana mm-hmm. so y- yoga's magical stuff just the simple stuff right and you know that is absolutely it and then the other thing is is we need to work with nervous systems because you lose prana as you get older yeah so when you think about babies they're just fizzing with prana you know they're like yeah and then (laughs) as you get older you need to actually do practices that build and maintain prana yeah and you don't even know what that is until, unless you're quite a sensitive young person, until yeah. you until you start to lose it. And yeah. then you're, it's a different, you can't just feel pranically low and run yourself through a vinyasa practice because you're using the very petrol you need. So how do we rejuice? And I think that's something that yoga does that other exercise does not do. Yeah, for sure. And we're definitely going to have a conversation about this because it's a really important subject. Mm. And especially for folks, like you were saying, who are getting a little bit older and just your ability to create some relationship with prana Mm -hmm. as early as possible is going to be so valuable throughout your whole life. So we're definitely going to have a a Mm. conversation about. The other thing is, is those practices, breath centered practices, um, lower inflammation. Mm. So they work with the vagus nerve and the whole, I mean, there's all this science to it, but basically they, if you relax, you reduce inflammation. And when you reduce inflammation, your pain is less, which means your movements are less restricted. All of those inflammatory things like arthritis and all that stuff is less. All your digestive complaints are less. You sleep better. So relaxation starts to look like a pill. You know when you read the list of benefits and you're like, that couldn't be true. That's too good to be true. Relaxation practices are like that. Yeah. They're just so damn good. They're too good to be true. And people are like, eh, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I it, know. It's amazing, isn't but it? But it's counter... Yoga is counterintuitive. Yeah. You actually 
surrender and get more. It doesn't mean you're just weak and flopping right. around, but there's a surrender. That ease is mm-hmm. such an important part. It's mm-hmm. not just stira, strength, strength, strength. It's also that sukha and that ease, and that's often breath. I think people underestimate what's happening in a situation where you are able to be easeful. Because mm. we just think, oh, you're just lying on the ground, like you were saying. It's yeah. just that flopping around. But there is, there is, there's so much in, in true ease. Yeah. And so much that we're letting go of. And to me, ease means free of stress. And it means, you know, on, on every level. That's right. And so there's work to get there. But people and there's don't know a little how bit to of work that. to stay there, People too. don't know how to do They come to my class and they you can see them looking a little nervous. Yeah. What's it going to be like? And am I going to hurt myself? Yeah. So, and their eyes are kind of, you know when you see people's eyes rolling around a yeah. bit? Like, like a horse that's yes. afraid. <gasps> and then one day, through this repetitive practice, yeah. I suddenly see them drop in. And there's a kind of, ah. Oh. Right. And then I know, and I'll often say to them, I saw you really feel into that today. Yeah. And they go, I know. I know. You know, I know Love that those happened. Moments. And that's part of that is you can't feel into your first yoga class with any with a teacher. Because no. every first class with a teacher is gonna be a learning experience. Yeah, just trying to we're gonna be a tiny bit stressed, just following instructions, yeah. just getting to know it, making sure the teacher's not gonna like jump on you or eat you or do something awful. Yeah. And then you trust them and you get to know it. Yep. And you relax into it a little bit. And then you start to feel. Yeah. And then you start to own it. Yeah. So mm. we talked about, there's more things to talk about. There's but, a ton. But we talked about, because I kind of have this question. Yeah. About the fact that yoga, the practice, is suitable to give you the things that you need, strength and whatever. But what I'm seeing is that I think it is if it's done right, if it's with the right teacher or if you have enough understanding yourself to create something. Mm-hmm. But what I'm seeing is that it isn't. The classes that people are out there doing aren't enough necessarily, yeah. if you know what I mean. Like yeah. I'm, what I'm wanting to tr- try to do is like empower people with the information they need to, to know this is serving me and or if it's not serving me in every in, the, in every way that I think it needs to, it's okay to seek out something else. And part of the reason I'm bringing this up is because I know a lot of yogis or yoga students and definitely yoga teachers feel like, no, yoga should be enough. It should be enough yeah. when <laughs> it isn't. It no. isn't because either the way they're practicing it isn't enough, maybe because they don't but know also, enough, or... What do you use your yoga for? Yeah. So... It is perfectly viable to use your yoga as a strengthening and, and like a fitness practice. Yeah, definitely. There are people doing that. Yeah. As I have become older, and I'm only 53, but I actually don't want to do my that oomphy kind of, you know, yeah. like I did stairs this morning. Yeah. So I flung myself up the stairs, puff like crazy. Yeah. It's full strengthening. Like, uh, I want to do that somewhere else. I don't actually want to do it in yoga right. because I so value the relaxation part of it and the breath-centered part of it. Yep. So I, it doesn't mean my yoga is not hard, yeah. but I want that stereo-sukha balance for physical, mental health and for that aspect. So I farm out a little bit of, of stuff. And I, I, whereas, if you say, no, I'm going to do that, just be conscious of what you're choosing it for. Yes, that's and, such and a key I, point. Yeah, and I think yoga is so... Exer- different exercise can give you exercise, yeah. but it can't give you the stuff that yoga, big yoga can. Asana, sure, yeah. but what? that's not yoga. Yeah. Asana is just fitness with you yeah. know, detailed instructions and a bit of an overlay of like, you know, I don't know spirituality. <laughs> spirituality. Yeah. But it can actually be total crap. It yeah. can just, yeah. So 
yoga when you really begin to understand it. So let's talk about teachers, because I really think teachers, you do your 200 hours, yeah. you squirt it out into the world, yeah. and you're like, oh my gosh, and off you go. And you know, if you're a learning kind of studying teacher who's feeling into it, you'll gr- continue to grow. But I don't think there's enough uh, basic anatomy yeah. and enough of that how to make things easier. Mm-hmm. How do you take the load out of poses? How do you make? How do you use props? How do you understand what is the intention of this? Yeah. And can I deliver the intention without the risks? Yeah. And that takes that takes you know a lot of self study, but yeah. it also takes some help and instruction. And I think yeah. we're not done after teacher training. It's yeah, like getting sure. your L's or your P's. You're on the road, but you need to continue. And that's the whole reason I did the yoga for grownups course was yeah. was. How can we, now you've gone out and you've taught a room full of people and you've gone, uh-oh, I need more information. Yeah. You kind of have to do that first before you get that information yeah. to say, this is the stuff I need. Then how do you get that information? Yeah. And I think every yoga teacher should seek a little more anatomy or a little more how, you know, breath-centered stuff or a little more remedial kind of uh, accessible Yeah, it's like the fine-tuning, isn't it? Yeah. So Jeevana Heyman is offering the accessible yoga. No, I've got the yoga for grown-ups. There's people doing, Carol Krukoff does um, senior yoga in the States. There are people who are offering this stuff. And, you know, there's a trauma-sensitive yoga. There's lots. There is lots. And it it isn't the be-all and end-all, but it adds to your awareness of how the mind and the body work. Yeah. And so you begin to not just drive people through it in this one, one way. Yeah. Okay, Hmm. so we've talked a little bit about this asana practice and what it's about. And I love, 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 love that simple question, what is your yoga? What is it for you? What is what is it for you? What is it about for you? I Why think that's, are you doing yoga? Yes, I think that's the key yeah. thing. Because really. is it for your body or is it a lot of my students, yeah. yes, they're doing it for their body, often to reduce pain yeah. or to... Um, Relax. Yeah. And so a lot of people say it just centers me and it relaxes me. Yeah. And that's where a bit of slowness, lots of detail, lots of difficulty, but um, slowness yeah. kind of helps. So, yes, knowing what your intention is. Exactly. And that's actually what yoga is about on a really deeply big yoga way. Yeah. Yoga is about connecting with your essence, with your dharma, with your deepest, utmost attention, intention yeah. in your life. That's it. So what is your heart's desire and are you aligning your actions and and behaviors with that? That's it. But you don't get to know yourself in that deep way just through asana. No, you definitely don't. And I think when we start to think a little bit about our yoga and how it serves us as we get older, uh, I think it is important, as we've sort of been talking about, to look at all of the aspects of yoga Mm. and how they can actually support us Mm. and I've been kind of avoiding it because it can take us into like a down a rabbit hole but honestly like every I can see parallels to our lives in every single thing that we've talked about this whole idea of knowing who you are understand being willing to choose yourself so whatever courage that takes being willing to feel into what's right for you and having the courage to choose that and knowing what all of these things that you're engaging in, what they're about for you and how they serve you or how exactly. they may not serve you, so, so key. Mm. So I want, I 
think it's a really good idea, like as we're, we're to talk a little bit about bigger yoga, yeah, about lifestyle choices. And we've talked about yeah. pranayama, which is so important. Yeah. We have talked about meditation too. We have. I'm, I'm thinking. Oh yeah, we have talked about a lot yeah. of these things already. Like, well, are there any so other? So I just think we have to offer um, a little bit of that repertoire. So there's yeah. a group of Marlisa Sullivan and a group at Kripalu did this lovely paper where they broke down, for research purposes, broke down yoga into four key components. Yeah. Ethics, so your yamas and niyamas, yeah. um, and that's lifestyle, really. Uh, yeah. Asana, movement, yeah. breath, mm-hmm. and kind of meditation. Yeah. Now you could scoop a lot of the other things underneath that, sure. but they have those four. And I think uh, as teachers, we need to kind of let people know that that's Exists. that's part of it. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I don't know how you work in the lifestyle stuff. Yeah. Now, I do. Having, having said it all, that's right. Yeah. But it's more. It's kind of an overlay, and yeah. it's awareness, and it's. Um, it's, a, it's the choices that they make. Right. And then we might think of what they're doing in their daily life and how we take this off the mat into their life. Yeah. But, I mean, I still teach basically an asana class, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of breath-centered awareness, and then there's, a, there's something mindful at the end, whether that's in shavasana or whether that's within the poses. Yeah. So it doesn't have to mean you have to have people sitting for on end. Right. Because those can be really hard, non-beginner practices. Mm-hmm. But you can work those into asana. You can't do that fast, though. I think as well, if people have an understanding, and this is, again, a little bit on... This this comes from both the students and from the teachers. Mm. If people have an understanding of what this... What is the purpose... Why am? Why are you having me sit here and breathe? Yeah. Why are you having me sit here and try to be quiet? And if you're... Especially if you're somebody who's getting a little bit older and you've got a little bit of an understanding of something, even maybe just your own tendencies. Understanding or having some sense for how these practices can potentially, no one, no teacher can tell you how any yoga pose or pranayama method or anything is actually gonna sit or how it's actually gonna affect you. But having, beginning to have an understanding of how it might possibly impact you, to me is, is empowering. I think so too. It gives I you think something teachers to look need for. to say. Yeah. This is what this is about. Yeah, and and look at yourself when you're having this stretch and it's a little painful. Yeah. What are all your little survival behaviors here? Are you clenching? Are you doing this or have yeah. you stopped breathing? And now how can you calm down yeah. in that little moment, which is a meaningless little moment, mm-hmm. but it's uh, they bring out those behaviors and then we go, "Oh, look at me." Yeah. Look at me. And look at what if I just exhale and let go a little bit, yeah. it doesn't actually hurt more or get worse. So then you can learn it and take it out. Mm. So those things, Eric Schiffman, who I adore, yes. um, says that like the essence of yoga is self-trust. Yes. And I think for aging, that's it. Because aging can feel like you're being betrayed by your partner, kind yeah. of. And they're, um, they're failing you and they don't love you anymore and they're being... Partner being your body. Yeah, your, bo- your, your body, body and your, your and your mind sometimes. Yeah, you can get case. more anxious than you expected to, especially yeah. in menopause when you're feels a little bit hijacked by hormones and yeah. stuff and you're like, why am I going off at people? It helps you to get to know yourself and to trust yourself. Yeah. And sometimes exactly to say, you know, no. No, I don't want that. Or yeah. <laughs> I think of menopause. Most of the friends I know who went through menopause are like, okay, I'm done cooking dinner. You know what? I'm not even <laughs> it's hungry. Over. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even hungry. And you're all sitting there on your laptops waiting for me to get dinner cooked. Yeah. I'm done. And so there's this sort of getting to know yourself and being like, how can we then say to people, well, why don't you cook? You know. Yeah. So, but I never even liked doing this in the first damn place. Well, I did for 25 years, and now I think I'm done. But there's this sense of knowing what those feelings are in you. And so that, I mean, that's that idea of 
we get to know ourselves and we get to kind of feel feelings and emotions and physical sensations coming up. Yeah. And we, we instead of reacting, we can respond. Yeah. You know, that's... It's, that, and it's it's simple. Yeah. But I think... Ish. It's simple, but I think I think a lot of the people I teach also in the older grown-ups course are afraid of older people. Yeah. They think they're going to break. Right. They think they don't understand. They think they're not power, empowered. And they really are yeah. if they're given the information that they need. And I think a lot of us are teaching... A lot of us are instructing yoga. We're not teaching yoga. Right. We are not teaching the bigger yoga and creating a lot of the background information. Mm. Tell them the secrets. Right. Tell them all the information. Yeah. Give them the in. And if you are a student and you are in a class where you feel like there's so, so much of the things that we've even just touched on here, you're not hearing anything about, ask. Please yeah. ask. Ask your teacher. Is there something more to this than this? Yeah. Tell me Is about there, it. Yeah. Tell me about these yeah. things. I am someone who loves this practice but can feel that it's beginning maybe not to serve me in the way that it did before how can i shift this how can i change this i mean we can tell you as teachers like those are the things you just Mm. melt like you just love to hear because i think ultimately we're here to empower the students like we're not here to to you know to lord all of this stuff over you or that we get some kind of a superiority trip on being able to tell people what to do it is really about throwing stuff out there and hoping that students will be willing to catch it and yeah. to run with it in as and much as they can. And that empowerment is huge because yeah. our society is very disempowering for older people. Yeah. And yoga can be one of the places where they really rediscover that power yeah. and that potency and that ability to really know themselves yeah. if we allow it. And if so, if you're someone who it's my way or the highway or you feel that there's a right or a wrong, that's kind of dangerous. Whereas if you, you're trusting them and that as a teacher trusting your students to have the resources to use the information mm-hmm. and that the, the the thing that students say that they like the best is that I'm telling them about what we're doing and why we're doing mm-hmm. it and giving them the inside the yeah. science or whatever I know about it yeah truly sharing truly sharing yeah and because you know once you've said to them I don't know do this five more that's another reason that I like repetition with mm-hmm. older people too because you can go do five more on this side or whatever it is or you know do three circles five circles in each direction yeah. alright well they're off you've yeah. kind of given them the instructions I love that now too. while they're circling away you can say all this stuff's happening in your musculoskeletal body and in your joint system and it's moving your prana in this way mm-hmm. and what are the feelings and emotions that come up from this you can move through the koshas with them yeah. you can so really teach what's happening Mm. and give it some context yeah. or you could teach them the eight limbs mm-hmm. and begin to refer and give a bit more philosophical background yeah. to what's going on for me this has been really useful mm. because it all comes down to owning it it does <laughs> it all comes and these are the tools if you if you haven't got to this place yet if you've maybe just started yoga just if you can start from that understanding and know that it's really about finding your way Mm -hmm. it's really about having this practice serve you and understanding what that is not Mm -hmm. just convincing yourself that well the teacher said this is the way I should be doing it so and try to do yoga at home because home practice is amazing it's non-competitive it drops you in it's very regular so you start to notice things and you you become empowered by it and it it's can look very very simple so a lot of people don't because they think it has to be an hour and a half but 15 minutes to 30 40 minutes and you move a little breathe yeah. a little relax a little that's me 
That's, That's it. what I do. Yeah, and it's un- incredible the cumulative effect of that. So there's, I mean, there's lots more details we can go into about you know, how you structure, how you sequence, but that's all different. I think this empowerment thing and, and that ability to individualize is really important. Yeah. I think so too. And as as a coming to this conversation from the point of view of somebody who's practicing, mm. I think it's, I think we've touched on the key pieces, like what to look for and inside and outside So of does you. it feel like having asked those and questions in the beginning that you now are more oriented to how to, how to adapt and how to attuned to those signs absolutely yeah oh, that's good absolutely i think that's <laughs> and because it's always simpler than we think it is isn't it so it's really good to have well yes and no it's both simpler and more difficult well that is that's the the paradox of yoga is it's so simple yeah. and so accessible it's amazing yeah and yet it's you know in, it's as big as the universe yeah. practically exactly but yeah <laughs> but we will dive into that in future conversations because we, we have lots we more to have. I know. Every time we do one of these, we have make just seven lists of and what we need to talk about. So I hope, personally, I know that this has been useful to me. Maria is just full of so much goodness and good information. So I, I always learn heaps whenever we talk. And I hope out there, if you're listening and this has been something that, that you've been challenged by, and if you've ever practiced yoga, then you've probably come up against some of what we mm-hmm. talked about here that you have found this to be useful for you too. Yeah, I hope that too. And and trust yourself and, and explore. Try some new stuff and see what happens. Yep. Exactly. Okay, until the next time. Until the next time. Right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay then, Shara here. I hope that was useful to you. I know I have definitely started tuning in and experimenting a little more with my home practice after this conversation. You know, one of the reasons it is so important is that it gives you an opportunity to explore what feels good in your body and your mind in an environment that's completely without expectation. So you can experiment and you can find ways to get where you want and where you need to be. And then you can use that as a foundation for how you practice when you're away from home, whether that's uh, on the mat or whether that is stuck in traffic or dealing with some of the many challenges that life can throw at us from day to day. And so at some point, we're going to talk more about home practice and what that realistically can look like and how to get started with it. But if you have any questions in the meantime, definitely feel free to drop us a line. And so we've got some more fun and enlightening conversations coming your way. You know, our next episode is going to be an interview that I did with a colleague in the Ayurveda world who is truly one of the most intriguing Ayurvedic practitioners I know. We're going to hear about how he found Ayurveda as a teenager and how he continues to share it with the world from the yoga mat to the supermarket to the bookstore shelves. And so if you are interested in hearing from someone who's lived a fascinating life and who has a really deep love for the practice, you are definitely going to want to tune into my conversation with Deacon Carpenter. That is going to be our first episode of the new year. So happy new year. And until then, namaste. Namaste.